It's a beautiful June 6th morning. It's nice, it's sunny, it's bright. And we're back for another episode of Misinformed Nation. We have a new guest coming on. We have Carolyn Blaney, the Clip Queen Commander. Woo! Returning Take all- Take out your balls. Returning all-stars, Sir Sir Seat Sitter from Abs in a Six Pack. Hey, 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 hey. And the new father, Sir Spencer, Wolf of KC. Who's your daddy? Look how happy that baby is. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bootberry, Mothman, Miniocalypse, and I was already triggered at 6 a.m. this morning. Wow. Wow. What happened? Oh. What happened at 6 a.m.? I found a new brand of candles that you can buy. Uh, oh, that's, oh, yes, yes, yes. You linked me those candles. That, that's wild. I like this one. If you're not vaccinated, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> okay. I like I it. It should work both ways. And <laughs> Where are the I, lo- I like fresh air motherfucker candles? Yes, exactly. I guess you'll have and to the, deal. You'll have to deal with the I heart Trudeau for now. Oh yeah, that's, that's for what sure. You yeah, that's what I guess. <laughs> I saw Sal the agorist posted uh, a picture. He just put, put health H E L T H, and uh, it was a picture of this probably four hundred fifty pound woman, and on her shirt it says vaccinated AF. That's hot. Oh, <laughs> I wonder what these candles smell like. Um, that is very Satan-y. That's the closest I got. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> smells like smells like Bill Gates. Vanilla <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. Oh wait, 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 wait! I I know exactly what they smell like. That smells funky as hell, Mister Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Lordy. Well, I'm already fired up. Uh, this is the podcast about the rest of the podcasts in the universe. We bring one show from the No Agenda stream and one show that's not featured on the No Agenda stream. And I'm going to kick us off with some uh, with some punk shows. And this is Up Is Down with Dean Reiner. This type of lifestyle, you don't you don't live a long time. And so, you know, what's what's the point of it? What's the point of it? Like, why would anyone become a punk? Uh, especially, you know, specifically a, a gutter punk or a, or a crust punk. And you can hear the reasons why in the music that we listen to. You know, it was extremely abrasive and angry. And uh, it, it reflected our own internal anger at our, at our society, at our families, at our systems, our schools, our supposed role models of all the people that we knew even then, even maybe not consciously, but we knew even then somewhere deep inside of us that we were, that we'd been betrayed and we will continue to be betrayed by those who are supposedly appointed to protect us and guide us and shelter us to this crazy, insane, violent, beautiful, fantastic world. So violent and so beautiful and so fantastic that it's too much for a lot of people. And so they turn to themselves, they turn inward, they turn to their friends. And there they can find a bond and they can find a community and then they just explore that and really roll that out and make a good home out of it. You know, they, they nest in to these types of cultures. They become their own culture of one and then they roam around and they find another one and then another one. And all of a sudden you got a little, you got a little click, you got a little band and I don't mean a musical band. 
But anyway, I just started thinking about crust punk stuff and started missing a lot of these people and wishing that I could talk to them. And a, a while back, I, I threw out a tweet, I fired off a tweet about all the old punk rockers that I knew that are still alive, that are now driving around wearing masks, obeying, doing what they're told, conforming to the majority, maybe because they have shit to lose now. Maybe, maybe they've always been that way, secretly. Maybe they just pulled the wool over us and thought if they would just blend in, then they could really just blend in and continue to lie. You guys know who you are. I know who you are. So anyway, it's crust punk a psyop. I just, I just don't think so. And the reason why is because what is, how do you market a, a life of absolute destitution, poverty, drug addiction, loneliness, violence, how do you market that in order to achieve an end that we know of to be the goal of PSYOPs, which is some sort of control over a group of people? So this is a, this is a not super old episode. It's from probably last month, month before last. Uh, the title of it was, Is Crust Punk a PSYOP? And this might be one of my favorite episodes that Dean has done. Um, I like to think of the spectrum between that Larry show and a walk through the mind. Dean Reiner's kind of right in the middle, uh, as far as doing really well thought out, well-planned, uh, monologues that transitioning from inner to outer monologues. And, uh, this episode specifically hit home at that point right there in the middle. Uh, and that, that's kind of what triggered me into pulling these clips. These are clips that we featured from our unreleased uh, pilot episode. Yeah, I was going to say these clips from like, I vaguely remember them from like a, a dream in another lifetime or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's There's this weird tequila haze floating. Yeah. <laughs> God, if I hadn't listened back to that, I would have zero memory of anything that happened that night. So. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, man. But Dean does some really great work. He just did an episode where... Uh, he did one of the the pandemic movies. He he pulled a shit ton of the clips and did like a commentary on top of it, which I thought was interesting. His um, latest one was fantastic. I thought both his, his latest two really. Yeah, I wish I. I'll, I'll the other two it clips was, um, I got are like three minutes, so I'm gonna save them. Uh, probably not play them. I'll just roll into the next one. But what were we saying? Oh, I was just gonna say he did a episode. I think it's ninety seven and ninety eight. Both those were good. Ninety seven. He just did a diatribe kind of a life update slash announcement of him, him being just absolutely sick of talking about COVID because everybody, the lines have been drawn. Everybody knows what side they're on and nobody's changing anybody's mind. So like, what's the point? And uh, nobody covers it as good as no agenda anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think I'm going to, I think that that one really made an impact on me and for what I'm probably going to do for my show. Cause he really just met, laid out a great argument of like, what's the point of even talking about this anymore? It's, <laughs> We've been talking about it. I, I remember like April 2020, I was I was talking to Pat Militage and I was like, I'm sick of talking about this virus. Everybody's sick of talking about this virus. And here we are a year and two months later and we're still <laughs> talking about it. It's, wild. Then, uh, it's Dean, almost like uh, one of the things that keeps it afloat and keeps it alive no matter like what side you're on. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the continuous leaning into it. Yeah. If uh, if anyone is interested in taking a break from COVID coverage, episode ninety six, violence is safety, was pretty phenomenal. He lays out the argument that Antifa, the idea, wants to become the uh, major policing force of communities. He had a lot of really good clips, a lot of good breakdowns. So 
It's a ride. It's a hard hitting show. It's punk as fuck. Uh, I've had them on behind the schemes. Sir Sir Seat Sitters had them on with the epic dog man saga. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, <laughs> Three what, five what, hour episodes or whatever. Uh, what, what's Crust Bucket? Is that like a band he was in or? Oh, Crust Punk. Uh, oh, sorry. It's like Crust a, Punk. Yeah. Like a, a, it. Sh- uh, sort of street urchin-y. Um, it's like a subculture. Yes. A squat lifestyle. Oh. Very okay. DIY. Yeah, I had never heard of Crust Punk until that episode. I mean, he makes a he makes a good argument that um, it's hard to market a lifestyle like that. But something I want to talk to him about next time. This is a point that I brought up on that unreleased show. Is if he was at an, a, a younger age, <clears throat> would he find himself milling about in the idea of groups like Anti? Or sorry, the in the idea of of an organization like Antifa, mm-hmm. or would he stay sort of on the outskirts? remain um neutral i guess i'm not sure worth a conversation to have with him though yeah 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 i like that idea that the the crust punk movement itself like organically formed but anything that's like a subculture organically forming that gets a big enough attention always becomes a target of different psyops so in and of itself it's probably not and he's right but because it's like a thing that can be named and because like magazines know what it is it becomes a target for psyops and then you know you get a successful conversion into a bunch of those guys into the maskies and shit you know yeah and i'm sure he said it but like a, a lot of the true hardcore crust punks didn't like make it that long Probably not, no. Like, part of being crust punk authentically is pretty bad for your health. <laughs> yeah. yeah, self-destructive lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know a lot of friends that I buried early that uh, were very authentically living it. Well, to bring us on the upswing, uh, I've got the non-No Agenda show. This is... I'm going to play the intro just because out of all of the shows I've ever listened to, it's one of my favorites. I mean, you're getting fucking transported with this shit. Beaming out across the galaxy, this is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the free zone with your host, Freeman. Hello and welcome to the free zone. We're going to be looking into the origins of things today, as we always try to do here at FreemanTV.com. Because I really wanted him to say the origins of things, origins and, stuff. Of things and stuff. He was so close. <laughs> <laughs> you hear it. If you know that you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> it's there if you want it. Because you need to know where things come from to understand where we're going. And we're going to look at the links between planetary catastrophe, ancient mythology, and occult ritual. When we're at a time from? right now where we're getting our first views of the Pluto. Is it? Can we call it a planet? I don't know. We're getting our first uh, looks at Pluto. We're starting to get outside of our cosmos. We're seeing closer up depictions of the planetary bodies uh, greater than ever before in time. And as we start to look to these new systems that we're understanding through what's going on in our solar system, we're starting to be able to correlate this with the ancient mythologies and how they relate to golden ages and lead up to the actual doomsday plot that we seem to be a part of right now. This is the Free Zone with Freeman Fly. I was turned on to him through Tinfoil Hat. 
I'm fairly certain that this is the first dude I heard posturize that Obama was a clone of one of the great Egyptian pharaohs. Uh, the the <laughs> name of name of it escapes me, but this guy this guy is all second half of show, and I love it. I don't think that there's anything more punk than to look someone in the eyes and say dinosaurs are fake. Like yeah. that that is the <laughs> most equal opportunity hate speech that I could think of. It's something that everybody with quote unquote scientific sensibilities would just fucking wretch at. I love it. And he's had <laughs> folks like that on this show. And I don't know what I think. I don't know what I believe, but I like hearing motherfuckers go that hard in the paint about some crazy ass shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm gonna have to check this out. I don't believe I've ever heard this show. Yeah. It's good. And uh this episode, oh, I just had the name up. Um this episode featured the guest uh Troy McLaughlin. The whole episode is about the electric universe, about the Saturn death cult, about ancient cosmology and the way it sort of double helixes with uh, um, uh, humans fucking mythology. It's really good stuff. Really fucking interesting. So I'm going to play part two of four. The pains to point out there are no card carrying members of a thing called the Saturn death cult, but it is a culture and this culture manifests its, 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 um, its presence down through history in so many different ways, modern manifestation of it, particularly in the in the fields that the Rothschilds and uh, the um, the Gieltons and the people of you know who, who move in those circles, you know, has, has largely uh, come to be termed Illuminati, uh, you know, links. Uh, that you know, it's, it's linked to the Illuminati or people's ideas of the Illuminati. But the Illuminati is a continuation of a, um, a way of thinking that goes back um, to a time when people uh, knew of a golden age that had been lost in a, in a vast cataclysm. And basically, uh, you know, they, they looked for ways to return to some of the benefits of that golden age in the new post-cataclysmic um, era uh, that, 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 that they found themselves in. And in the process of doing that, certain uh, individuals, certain groups, um, figured that the best way to ensure a what you would call a golden age lifestyle, uh, a thing called paradise, something that a lot of religions refer to, Garden of Eden, all these kinds of um, uh, versions of this uh, basic idea, this archetype, utopia, uh, paradise, yes, utopia, uh, all these you know sort of ideas that we have, perfect existence lack of want and so on like that the best way to get that today is to get everybody else to do the work uh and you profit from that without doing the work and <laughs> that'll be the downfall of humanity is doing the work <laughs> <laughs> i did find the book the saturn death cult by troy mclaughlin i love that shit i mean yeah. as far as it's interesting uh, as far as different webs of conspiracy hypothesizing, that's that's the ones I find myself plucking more. Um, yeah. Do you remember the whole protect Ice Cube at all costs? And it was like Ice Cube with a Q. Right, because he was he was posting a bunch of shit about this, right? Yeah, Ice Cube was on a tear. On the, well, they accused him of being anti-Semitic, and he had to cut back because Ben Shapiro got on his ass or whatever. But. Um, Ice Cube was putting, yeah, all the Black Cube and Saturn, and he was had all these, like, for, like, months, he was just putting out tweets of the Black Cube and all the different Black Cubes and 
like the Middle East that they worship in Asia and tying it in with Saturn and the big like Wall un- Street statues that they got. Yeah, just uh, Ice Cube was going deep into that Black Cube stuff. And that's actually what kind of got me back into it. Started looking at it again. I'll tell you what, I almost shit a brick uh, last year when I hopped onto Instagram. I started scrolling and all I saw were uh, Black Cubes when they did the mm-hmm. Blackout Instagram. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think that was an accident. Yeah. What is, <laughs> I need a, uh, what is the Saturn worship shit I see before my very eyes? <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> Uh, but this episode is great. I haven't, I, I'm not as well versed as I want to be in this show, uh, but I'll, I'll often pull from it when it's, uh, when I'm looking for something a little weirder, something more out there. And um, I think I'm going to add it to the daily rotation now that uh, I got some more time to listen to shows. Um, I'm going to finish these up and then uh, that'll be the end of that. How long this lasts is up to debate. You know, some people talk thousands of years. Some people even talk only a matter of a couple of decades uh, or something like that. But whatever that time period is, it goes down as the golden age. And it's the golden age because Kronos or Saturn gives us the concept of time and the concept of measure, uh, which also relates into the idea of weights and so on. And with these, humanity begins the march to what we call civilization. Now, those, that, yeah, that wow. that um, that civilization reaches an apex, and then almost overnight, mythology tells us of the doomsday. And that doomsday uh, is reflected in stories of Atlantis, the fall of man in the Garden of Eden story. Um, you know, uh, lots of different variations of that of that particular theme. This doomsday event is particularly traumatizing because at the end of it, the survivors see that the very sick and mottled uh, Saturn uh, has been displaced. And he's been displaced, according to mythology, by his son, Jupiter, or Zeus. All right. If you know in the mythologies, they uh, he ate his um, children because he was he was frightened that he would be displaced. But he didn't get Zeus, who then returns and, and you know commits uh, regicide, um, uh, patricide uh, on his father, and and for a brief period of time, Jupiter replaces Saturn as the prominent um, object in the sky above the Earth, and Saturn is banished to to where it is. To where it is. All I'm saying is if I had a time machine and I could go back and check that shit, I would be there. <laughs> it's fucking just taking all of the photos with this with a flip phone. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The, like <laughs> back then you could you could see all the planets and the and the stars are certainly a lot clearer than than we can now. Yeah. See um, them uh well, I'm, I don't know. It's I know these are kind of long, um, but if you want to hear a little uh, just so, sort of summary on how the planets behaved each, around each other, I got one more I can play. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is such a traumatic event um, for uh, the, the human species uh, that not only has it entered into our mythology, it's entered into our psychology, into our psyche. And, uh, you know, the subsequent dispersion of the planets involved, you've got Venus who goes from a, a glowing, beautiful love goddess to, you know, the, the menacing Medusa witch that comes, that swoops down, creates untold destruction on Earth over a period of time. You have Mars fighting with Venus, um, gaining its scar. Uh, you know, the warrior child that ascends to heaven as the hero to protect Earth. Uh, and, uh, 
you know, and, and, but also subsequently has its own near misses with the earth and so on. And in these near miss misses, you get this history uh, since the fall of Saturn up to around about 700 uh, AD um, of these cataclysmic events that were quite regular, uh, you know, at this time. And, and it's during that period that the mythologies are established that various priesthoods try to, you know, um, try to collect and preserve what was known as a golden age. Um, but as we, as things start to settle down, the greed of man starts to assert itself, and certain people go, "Yeah, I like what they had in the golden age. Uh, maybe we can uh, establish something here. Um, how can I do that?" And you know, discuss that. Well, hold this on. Is where it all begins. All right, there we go. This is where it begins, folks. And hold on to your hats because we're not through with this yet. We're going to see how the creation of time, leading to this civilization growing into the enslavement of humanity, utilizing the Saturn death cult that is seeking their own golden age of transhumanism, riding on the backs of you, their servants. Shudder. Fact check, true. <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe I believe a lot of that shit's definitely going on, you know? Yeah. And he was, an sort of talk- he was sort of talking about like uh, the, the like Venus colliding is it the venus colliding with earth because i have heard of that you were telling us about that when i heard that i had i had that fucking bell go off in my head (laughs) and so i I think that's uh that's no coincidence (laughs) no and then they have all of course like all these stories around the world about about such a planet coming towards earth near miss uh that was free zone with freeman fly both of those links for him and up is down are going to be in the show notes. And that's what I got. You suppose that's why that uh, Saturnists are like practicing on being fat. Cause the first time that like Saturn couldn't eat Zeus, he was like too full. <laughs> well, <laughs> so they got to get it right this time. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't that what the big Christmas star was, was Jupiter and Saturn. Oh, lining up together. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I need to go back. And- also, the reason they might want to get fat is because if like Venus or whatever, or any planet Mars comes too close to our planet, it would throw off the gravitational pulls and that, that way they won't be as likely to get sucked up into the sky. Mm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no rapture for you. No. <laughs> where are you going? Nowhere. No. <laughs> Uh well I'll pick up the helm if you don't mind I got a I'm a little over prepared but I want to <laughs> I want to just power through these real quick uh, as quick as I can because some of them are a little long but uh is that, is that, uh, is that kosher yeah I'm good yeah, absolutely so so I was gonna play um with, I was gonna play some uh, of RFK Junior's podcast uh, <laughs> with Whitney Webb and of course Dvorak picked that one up on last no agenda but uh. Booberry, you and I have been talking about this. Just the uh... let's talk about Bill Gates and his friend Jeffrey Epstein. And wait, was that so? It's like the podcast host should sound a little like he's not on a Zoom call. So we need to get somebody over there, like you said, to help him produce that a little better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so I, I abandoned that since No Agenda played the same clips I was going to play pretty much. Um, but but I do have mics a mics are so sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like his voice is already rough, so it's, it's like follow, a, a yeah. double whammy. That's yeah. a double whammy when you're talking with a whatever he's using. Just get a Yeti Blue or something at least. Come on, uh, have you reached out, out to 
have you reached out to Robert Kennedy Jr., Chris? Last year I did, um, mm-hmm. but that, uh, that I, know, I didn't hear anything back. I heard I was in contact with Dell Bigtree a little bit, but uh-huh. his his buddy. But anyway, so my uh, my off instead is I just have one clip for that one, and it's so mm-hmm. off the No Agenda stream that you will not hear it anywhere except for this episode of Misinformant Nation right now. Awesome. Let's this hear is, it. Uh, <laughs> this is this uh, is I didn't even remember I was recording, and I just happened to uh, be recording because I forgot to stop recording. And Lavish and Caleb were talking about elephants, and I thought this was cool. If it'll load, you caught me at a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Okay. If I had any pet in the world, yeah. Oh, that's a no-brainer, man. Be an elephant. An elephant. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, how confident he is. Because they are intelligent and they are majestic. They're powerful. Um, and I wouldn't ride it. You know, I wouldn't bother it. Oh, you it. wouldn't ride it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I would after a long time. Yeah. But for the first, like, five years... My whole thing would just to be to build the relationship with it and to give it its space, to let it roam free, to eat whatever it wants, and to do whatever it needed to do. And then I, I wouldn't bother it. And then after maybe like a couple of years, if it really trusted me and it loved me and I loved it and we had that understanding, then maybe I would start touching it and riding it and doing things like that. But elephants don't like that kind of shit, so... Okay. I, I would I would have it purely just for the humanitarian reasons, you know. I would I would want to treat it well as opposed to ride it around shooting arrows off it or whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like you've already, sounds like you've already <clears throat> thought about that. You're gonna ride around and start shooting arrows out of Shit. You ever heard of Hannibal, man? Hannibal crossing the Alps, fucking up Rome on elephants? Yeah. I, I, I love that shit, man. That's just like to me. That's so much better than any comic book or any fucking movie I could ever watch. Just the idea that someone actually did that in real life and fucking almost took one of the greatest empires, maybe the greatest empire the world's ever known, with elephants. (laughs) 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 I mean, it turns me into a little boy again, man. I can't help myself. Yeah, Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Lavish has got yeah, that what, fucking what, Genghis blood. Bunch- <laughs> 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 yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Man, what like you just see a bunch of dudes showing up with weapons on elephant back. Yeah, I'd be yeah. shitless. Yeah. I see that. You're like, like, oh, we got this armored hoplite fucking failing sort of situation going. We're so hot. And then you just see fucking 50 elephants with spears about to fucking trample your ass down. Like, oh, God, we didn't expect this. (laughs) And it's the perfect attack from Africa. I'm totally fascinated (laughs) with the historical period between about 900 and about 1200 A.D. where there was a very serious battle between northern Africa and the Italian peninsula between Rome and Carthage, as we say now. But it was much more complicated than that. And there was a real time where people were stomping their elephants up fucking Spain <laughs> through France and into Rome to fuck some shit up. And it was awesome. <laughs> I can't, I, that's like, that's the best, man. Better than science fiction. The fact that they figured that shit out is just genius. 
Yeah. And elephants are very smart too. If you ever met an elephant, they got a lot of, they got a lot of heart. They got a lot of soul and you can see that in their eyes and, and you can piss them off too easily. So I know that was off the beaten path for my off stream, but I just had to find a reason to get that elephant talk out there. For people <laughs> to hear. Um, That's pretty awesome. And I'm going to have yeah, to look up a uh, 900 AD to 1200 <laughs> AD. Cause uh, that's yeah. fascinating. I love, uh, Love reading that sort of thing. That's a little synchronistic because yeah. uh, one of the doomsday cataclysms that they were talking about in the the free zone was around 700 AD. So hmm. it's a it's an interesting synchronicity, sir, sir, seat sitter. Yeah, yeah. what's oh, I, there was almost another one you talking about uh, crust punk and somebody used the term street urchins because I actually had a clip <laughs> where street urchins were a part of it, but I ended up deleting it because I. <laughs> Uh, for the, so this is my off, uh, almost another synchro there, but yeah, this is my on stream. Um, and I know they've been covered a lot on the show and I think an episode or two ago, it was Booberry's pick, but I still couldn't help myself. This is OBDM. Uh, <laughs> last week they had a story about, uh, mermaid assault. Uh, another headline here, Florida fisherman says lost at sea for 14 days claims he was sexually assaulted by mermaids. <laughs> that's some good news on that front (laughs) Uh, mermaid mermaid though right uh mermaid i don't think he didn't say mermen that's what i I want to clarify okay well we don't i mean who knows but i'm gay i'm gay i'm gay if if you're lost at sea for 14 days (laughs) saying those mermaids will do strange things at sea laddie that's for sure bunch of semen on the poop deck well uh, alvin McAllister, 72 was found on a small rocky uh inlet 20 uh, 200 miles off the nearest coastline where he shipwrecked two weeks ago and managed to survive off of several seagulls mussels and urchins but McAllister, for whom doctors do not fear for his life was found suffering from intense hallucinations possibly caused by dehydration and the toxins of unidentified muscles he consumed muscles. on the small inlet so they're claiming his hallucinations uh are just that not that he was actually sexually assaulted by mermaids but this is all part of it, of his imagination bullshit quote he described in graphic detail how he was forced to perform oral sex on fish-like genitals of these aquatic creatures. What's a Not, fish-like genital? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess fucked. it's kind of like a regular genital, but just slimier. Penises. It's very slippery <laughs> and very hot. Sca- scaly penises. Hot. Scaly, hook-shaped penises. And, uh, got the clampers, the clampers to grab on? Penises. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, some kind of like barbs and in, in their penises. But hey, he's saying these are mermaids. So he was forced to perform. But mermaids don't got no bottom. That's my point. I I I, 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 I don't know. That makes are sense. Are you accusing me of being no, dumb? No, it doesn't, Alex. <laughs> he was forced to perform oral sex on fish-like genitals of these Vagina. creatures, not only unto women, women, but also the men. Mermaids. Oh, there we go. Well, men mermaids. Notice he didn't mention that until later, so he was on board with that one. McAllister you like, you like didn't fish say sticks? McAllister's, <laughs> McAll- like fish sticks. McAllister's brother added that in tears, visibly, uh, visibly grateful to find his brother alive. But, uh, well, his brother's, I guess, grateful that he's alive, but he must be disappointed that not, not only did he, uh, like, lick and, and whatnot, but he also sucked and stuff like that. Like... <laughs> 
I just, <laughs> this is a crazy story. You know? It's filthy. Is- hey, look, I want to lick them drawers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the big stinky hole in the story, besides the obvious one, yeah, <laughs> is uh, the forced aspect. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't sexually assault the willing, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, not to not to be a spoiler. Um, if anybody does go back and listen to this episode, but Bill Gates NewsGuard, I think rated this story as false. So. Oh well. But you can't trust NewsGuard. It is true. Fact check true. Right, go gotta, go ahead. Go rap. ahead and call the fact police. See who comes first. <laughs> I got a little rap on the mermaids, and then I'll move on. Well, I mean, so wait, which which was the guy? I mean, is the guy in the top size. picture or the guy in the the middle picture there? <laughs> I think it's both of them. Maybe he he grew that giant beard in fourteen days. It was so stressful. Well, but I was going to point out though, I, I like he's got the the pirate bandana on too. I do. I I do like that. Yeah. Where's your pirate drops? Uh, all my pirate drops are... They're coming up. Right on, man. <laughs> Spike's typing pirate furiously. I'm typing pirates <laughs> as fast as I can. So I'm trying where, to figure out where this... So it's not an inlet, it's an islet. I'm trying to figure out where that is. It's an, a, a small rocky islet 200 miles off the nearest coastline. Well, where? Is, there Because there's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's apparently uh, sexually charged mermaids and mermen out there. Blow the man down. <laughs> Did you blow those mermen? I fuck me. Jesus Christ. What about the, the mer ladies too? You you did them too? Oi, matey. All right. Whoa, did you did you read this part? Although Mr. McAllister does present abnormal injuries and inflammation to the genital and anal area, it's highly unlikely he was sexually exploited or sodomized by living sea creatures, and these are possibly self inflicted. Explain what's that right. all about? I completely disagree. I think that this guy was actually sexually assaulted by mermen and merwomen. I piss on me, beat me up. Right out, man. <laughs> but I wanted to wet uh, my lip a little bit. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's a fantastic show. <laughs> it really is. Like, those guys are some of the best of the best in the business, I think. Um, now I like to, how serious they they kept their their composure. They weren't they weren't <laughs> laughing in hysterics. This is like, serious. It's it serious. It's serious. serious. They business. took it seriously. Hey, that would be yeah. a thank good, God uh, for the internet. Uh, <laughs> podcast reward show most composed category. Oh yeah, <laughs> most composed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Larry would win that one every time. Ah, uh, no doubt. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, I do uh, so, have clips from a a recurring on stream too. I guess if you want to keep that theme going, uh, I just got like mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be brief, but I have uh, wrapping oh, up yeah, this yeah, OBDM yeah. thing. Sorry, um, I misread, I misread that. I, I, I yeah, I miscued you. That was my bad. Um, it's fucking embarrassing. It is. <laughs> I love you guys. So, um, nice I've, execution. I've You're doing terrific. <laughs> Perfect. I, I got. I received the blessing and go ahead from Midnight Mike to help propagate uh, Spanky, one of the original co-hosts back in 2006-2007 on OBDM. He passed away a couple months back in some kind of motor vehicle accident. But the guy was like a total sweetheart and just a fantastic musician. So um, I'm going to give the, the playlist to some of his music on the OBDM podcast channel to Booberry to put in the show notes. But I just wanted to give you guys a taste of Fucking how badass Spanky was. 
and just a total sweetheart of a guy, but he was, and he was, he was funny too. But, uh, and I think Spencer, you might, if anybody here, you'd probably be the one to catch the subtext in this song. He did. They recorded this, uh, in one take after he performed it on the podcast, like a couple years back. They're like, we got to do a studio version of this song. pick up on that at all sir spencer i feel uh, like you might have the name of the song is kaitel's lament it took me like um, three or four listens to figure out what it was even about because it I'm throws you off right it. at the beginning it's yeah. harvey Keitel, the actor it's all the characters oh. he played oh, from like okay. reservoir dogs and fucking oh. pulp fiction got and, uh, you yeah yeah it's so funny and then uh yeah I'd have and then to just have and, one, get it. one but wow that's a um, that's like a good and then, niche uh, a good idea what? there. A good niche idea there. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. And but man, he could do it all. So this is another song by him from his group uh, Poop Squad. Everybody skip around the circle the first time we sing it. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Stretching out of the placenta, style inventor. Bust cocoon, crack the egg into a new dementia. Poop squad, patch it down, paranoid, ask who sent ya. Set forth a new adventure. Travesty, blast the pieces. Savagery, last from species to species. Assemble the crowd of feces. Surround the beaches. Competition is a sitting duck. Lost division, doesn't give a fuck. Wish me like a divvy up. Dr. Default, the cut up. Run up, the bill on fucked up. Sun up, do... Okay, so yeah, man. I mean, that the guy, the guy is uh, just great. And I... Uh, I just want to help Midnight Mike get uh, more people need to appreciate like how talented and funny he was. But uh, last clip, this is uh, from a 2014 OBDM episode that he was on. And this is just perfect, I think. So what it is is that I do uh, I do songs that uh, Johnny Cash should have covered okay. but never did. Okay. But there, maybe he shouldn't have covered them because the... But you guys have to pick them. 
Okay. We have to pick the songs that Johnny Cash may may have covered. What about uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard? Pour some sugar on me. The name of Pour some sugar on me. Come on, fire me up. Pour some sugar on me. Stick is sweet from my head to my feet. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I dude, I dig it. Wow, that's could awesome. you do? Uh, I touch myself. I know you song. hate that song. No, I touch myself. Is that by the uh, who did that? The it's a one hit. The Vidal's. I don't want anybody else. I love it. I love it. What about um, I would walk 500 miles? <laughs> well, I know. Well, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man who's walking on <laughs> Let's do something a little harder, like but, you uh, do, like Ender Sandman, or like Mambo Number Five. <laughs> a little bit of, I don't know, the words. A little bit of, a little bit of, little bit of Tina in my life. <laughs> a little bit. Of How about this? A little bit of that bitch. What about the Who Let the Dogs Out? Well, the dogs out. I like that. Wrecking Ball by Miley, Miley Cyrus. Well, came in like a wrecking ball. Well, I stumbled something real hard. Oh, la 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 la, damn, I love words. Oh, someone give me the words. All you ever did was break me. <laughs> break me. I like, I like, I like Johnny Cash. <laughs> What about uh, a little song called uh, <laughs> Closing Time? Closing time. One last call for alcohol. Finish <laughs> your whiskey and beer. You're amazing. Actually, this might, this might actually be your hit song. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can. Oh. I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. Take me home. 
What about uh, Johnny Cash uh, covering uh, I Walk the Line? <laughs> I don't know that one. Uh, you don't know Johnny Cash song, I Walk the I Line? I don't know any Johnny Cash songs. You <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't any Johnny Cash songs. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny. What about... Uh, Biscuit, uh, I did it all for the nookie. <laughs> yes! I did it all. I did it all for the nookie. You can take the cookie, or you can take the cookie. I'm cramming up your leg, cramming up your That's enough of that. I, uh, okay. Well, so I mean, you can take that cookie and cram it up your leg. Cram it in your A. <laughs> that was uh, Spanky doing Johnny Cash covers and uh, I'm, I'm sorry I know that was a long way to go to get there but I hope everybody will check out his stuff because the guy, rest in peace and the guy was just a f- funny and a sweetheart and just um, and th- there's some great old OBDM episodes with him in it so incredible range anyway, too, man. Was, yeah. he could do it all yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so cool. that's, well, that's, uh, that's all I got, a... sorry I went, I went over time but I yield my time back to the uh, courts <laughs> Reclaiming my time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, transition that became a callback. <laughs> because I have a, a podcast that I've brought before, that we've heard before. Um, but it was just timely. Mm-hmm. And once I found this connection to an off uh, an off-stream source, I just couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. Historic moment of conversion has happened. And this just came in on the transom from Chad Farrow. I had to cancel my recurring PayPal donation because I've been sending you guys too many sats with Podfriend. Keep up the (laughs) great work and go podcasting! Go podcasting! This is an important moment. I have two thoughts about this. Okay. Thought number one, this is awesome. Thought number two, Chad, there's no such thing as too many sats. I love this is and Chad. I want you to wear this title. This this is something for you. You you are the first official conversion, and you converted yourself from the cuck bucks of PayPal into the lovely value for value streaming satoshis. And not only are we benefiting uh, in this case Podfriend, since you are uh, doing it from Podfriend, the podcast index. Uh, and of course, the podcast index 2.0. Um, but we're taking that away from PayPal. <laughs> so you know, the three percent PayPal takes gone, and it's totally you're based Chad energy right there. More, but it's appropriate to the value when you are receiving the value from the show. The whole thing just blows my mind. You're the first one. So yeah, they had a a listener that kicked PayPal because he was given so much sats that he was like, "Oh, I got to just stick with the sats," which is interesting. The the implications of that, a lot of people still like the PayPal because, you know, you get notes read and you get uh, kind of tangible on the credit side. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. not really an easy way yet to do that on the SAT side uh, without explicit communication from who's sending it to you uh, like that. So it's kind of funny to think about it. He might not even be the first, but he might be the first to just mention it or say, you know, hey, I'm going full SAT. <laughs> yeah, but in oh, light yeah. Of, uh, in light of the Bitcoin conference all weekend, I thought it was pretty cool. 
and then later in the show, uh, Dave Jones brought up something that we've talked about extensively over the past at least year, probably two years on Bull After Bull, which was the Moore Act uh, kind of out of nowhere. This is going to feel off the wall, but I'm going to throw it out there. So have you seen the, I think it's called the Moore Act. The, it's the marijuana thing. No, I don't uh, think so. Uh, let me look this up. It's the, it's it got, I think it got approved in, in the House. Mm-hmm. I think it passed the House. Let's see, more Act. More Act of 2020, Reinvestment Expungement Act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It decriminalizes so, marijuana. Mm-hmm, yeah, and expunges all the, all the you know, criminal records for people who were oh, a really? of, of oh. the drug war. Mm. Yeah, and so the language goes pretty far. The language is, it, it goes beyond just saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. It also makes a, a lot of statements about the failure of the drug war and how much it's messed up people's lives and that kind of thing. Hmm. So the MORE Act, um, the main thing it does is deschedule cannabis takes it off of the the scheduling uh list with the dea which in in my opinion is the most important uh federal drug policy reform goal that we've had that we had and we have had for as long as that thing has existed i think since the 70s is when it rolled out um it's just beautiful to watch this having like just been talking about it uh for so long watch all these things converge where people are starting to connect these dots that are really real and prevalent and they're all real freedom issues is what it comes down to. And you look at the intersection of Bitcoin and the drug war and uh, what's going on now with the, with the government kind of admitting that they fucked up and admitting that uh, this whole thing has been a failure and how can we turn it around and make it, uh, make it right. So I thought it was really cool. uh, He kind of stumbled upon that, that same idea. Uh, And then of course, as a, it's it's funny because when you have niche interests, uh, and then other people are talking about them, and I think uh, Adam said something about like the war on drugs wasn't that Nancy Reagan uh, and Nixon officially declared the war on drugs. So you like uh, <laughs> as a drug policy wonk kind of nerd, that's like there was some moments of like yelling at the speakers, but they do also do a good job of like looking stuff up on the fly and like self fact checking. Um, I'm play the next clip here. Let's just say 80 years, roughly, of marijuana uh, demonization. And then all of a sudden you have this switch over the last decade, really, where states are beginning to loosen up and, and states are decriminalizing marijuana. And I think, I think there's like 17 states that have decriminalized. And then you have a 30, like 36 or so states, 30 something states who now have some form of marijuana, uh, medical marijuana bill, even Alabama, mm-hmm. my state, Alabama has a medical marijuana bill now. Right. I mean, I thought I was going to hit the floor <laughs> with, um, I was aghast. <laughs> and, um, oh my God, so Alabama's doing this, better than Tennessee. <laughs> reading this act, reading the government saying how, how wrong their own actions were in light of what they thought at any given time over this 80 year drug war. And I'm thinking, okay, how can we trust any of their predictions at all? <laughs> <laughs> for for a guy coming like me, it's like, have you ever seen the uh, that meme of like adventures of the guy who just started paying attention? <laughs> 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 That's like the feeling I get when I've like uh, just been working and conferencing and like talking to some of like the national nerds 
uh, who have been, you know, and some of those guys who have been working on it since the sixties and seventies. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just to hear it on like podcasting 2.0, just like, it just, like I was jumping out of my seat. Like what? I had a, yeah. I had, it triggered me. I had to send a boosts and PayPal and uh, like everything to them. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm sure this obligatory joke has been made, and I had just missed it on the show. But does Dave Jones keep his weed in Davy Jones' locker? <laughs> no. Is that that was no, what he should call where he keep, or maybe his Bitcoin wallet should be called Davy Jones' <laughs> yes. locker? It, yeah, it should. I don't know why I never even made that connection. But that's an obvious one. It kind of uh, also made me think of the monkeys. You know, the band, the monkeys. He Davy should. Jones. He should change <laughs> his. He should change his node name to that because I'm pretty sure his node name right now is just Dave A. Jones. Oh. Dave A. <laughs> Dave A. Jones. Oh, it's, it still works. Dave A. Jones Locker. Dave A. Jones Locker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the uh, last one that I pulled. Yes. This is the way my mind works. I see a thing that says, oh my God, we messed up. We screwed up millions of people's lives over an 80-year period, and we're sorry. We made a mistake. And then I, then I see somebody like Janet Yellen come out and say, hey, don't worry about that inflation. It's only temporary. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, Ephemeral. how in the... yeah." <laughs> How in God's name is anybody supposed to trust you after this epic, epic screw up and failure and shafting of the American people for 80 years? And then like you're then you then you're like, okay, don't worry about that. Uh, Just we trust us. We know what's going to happen in the economy six months from now. Please believe us. Yes, he's connecting the dots. I I fucking love it. Uh, And this whole idea um, actually got me to roll into Something where I guess I'm technically breaking the rules here because this is off stream, but it's not a podcast. Mm. Um, but it was an event during the Bitcoin conference. Uh, and has anybody heard of Ross Ulbrich? No, he I haven't. was the founder of Silk Road. Free Ross, yeah. The and Dread Pirate Roberts, yes, or one of them, yeah. The Dread Pirate Roberts of the Silk Road. Uh, and he made uh, they they built it as an interview, but really it was a a prepared statement that he had called Bitcoin magazine and kind of read to them. Um, and it's the first time he's spoken publicly since the whole thing, since getting locked up, he's been in the federal pen for eight years. Uh, and well, I'll, I'll just let him explain it actually. Hello, this is Ross Eldrick calling you today from prison, from uh, a maximum security federal penitentiary. Jesus. We don't have much time together today and I don't know if I'll get another chance to talk to you like this. I'll say as much as I can, but when it's time to go, I'll have to hang up and go back to my cell. I have lost my freedom. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want you to understand what it means to lose your freedom. So uh, I'll link it to you guys in the sh- in the show notes. But uh, Yeah, I'd really like to see that. And- hear all that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll have to pull the asshole card for like bringing it in, like making it way too real. But um, this is just the type of thing that always like grabs me and my personal heartstrings because just of my background and what I've uh, already seen and the work I've done. Uh, one of the things we did that I'm most proud of in my work uh, in the cannabis, you know, drug reform movement in general is we had a guy here in Missouri named Jeff Mazansky who was in Jeff City in the in the pen. 
uh, serving a life sentence without parole for his third strike uh, pot offense. And through a lot of uh, lobbying at the state legislature level, um, as well as other state government bodies, we were able to get him out and get him clemency. And so this awesome. is a, this is a case that really begs for the same sort of action. Uh, Ross is the only guy who got life sentences out of the entire Silk Road uh, defendants that they rounded up. I think like 10 years was the second harshest punishment. And these are for people who are actually buying and selling the drugs uh, and doing that thing. Ross, Yeah, all Ross did was build an encrypted website. He did not break the law by any technical definition that I'm aware of. Correct. I mean, he just gave these people a platform to be able to break the law that, you know, they could break the law. But I mean, I guess he didn't even have any kind of 230 protection or anything, you know, like he was, he was held totally accountable for all of these different things. Uh, prosecute prosecutorial missteps. Uh, some of the prosecution team actually had to go to federal prison themselves for corruption charges. Uh, and yet he still sits uh, in the federal wow. pen. Um, Prosecutors getting, I, getting, getting in. That is wild. This Wow. This doesn't sound like it's related, but it is. But you guys know Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Alex Winter directed this movie about Ross that is really powerful and good. Uh, documentary 2015 called Deep Web that I can't recommend enough. And Keanu Reeves narrates it. It's all about Ross, and uh, yeah, I watched it twice, and I teared up both times. But it's a deep web, holy really shit, good documentary. Yeah, I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah, yeah I just I found another stat here that's pretty interesting. In the process of shutting down Silk Road, the FBI seized one hundred and forty-four thousand three hundred thirty-six bitcoins from a shared digital wallet on his laptop. Holy shit! And they were sold in a series of auctions, generating proceeds worth forty-eight point two million. Jesus. Yeah, wow. that's your civil asset forfeiture at work yeah. right there. Um, here's clip two. When the idea of Bitcoin really clicked for me, I got so excited. I thought, with Bitcoin, I can try to do something that actually makes a difference. And by the way, before I was put in prison, we didn't have all these different cryptocurrencies and tokens and everything. I missed all that. So to me, it's all one thing. The, the forks, the new blockchains, all of it. So when I say Bitcoin, I'm not making those distinctions. To me, it may sound kind of corny, but to me, we're all one big family. So I was excited back then, but I was also very impatient. I saw what Bitcoin could do for freedom and equality, but I didn't take the time to really understand it. I didn't fully appreciate the principles it's based on. Things like immutability and consensus, and of course, decentralization. I had so many big dreams for Bitcoin and What's so beautiful is, slowly, those dreams are coming true. That's because of you. You are making those dreams a reality. You are doing what I didn't have the patience for. These last eight years now in prison, over and over, I've been so impressed with how far we've come. But back then, I was impatient. I rushed ahead with my first idea, which was Silk Road. So, I. it's funny because... Um working on the podcast 2.0 space, um, even as peripherally as I do pretty much only as a cheerleader. Uh, it kind of struck me like these are the things that Ross probably would have gotten very involved with too. You know, had he, had he been a, had he been a free man right now and Mm -hmm. maybe even come along sooner. Um, 
And at the same time, if I was like a little bit older, maybe I would have been involved in Silk Road stuff. You know, like it's wild to think about timelines, but this kid's story just always strikes me as so similar. And his path is like a lot similar. The libertarian ideals, um, this kind of naive impatience, uh, especially when he says that he kind of felt compelled at 26 to like save the world before somebody else does. Um, that sort of drive to like do good mixed with this like loneliness and dread of like nobody else is helping and the time's ticking and mm -hmm. it's really up to me and me alone caused him to take these incredible risks in an unexplored space. Um, but the punishment that he got for doing that was just so incredibly over the top um, and unjust that uh, it's just kind of crazy when you visit it. Then, And the more you find out about the details of his case, it's just it, it, it's gut wrenching. It's like they knew he uh, he was he was uh, stumbled uh, upon something that was that was going to change the world. And uh, and I, I, I wonder about um, if he were a free man today, how how far Bitcoin and, and um, those those spaces would be today. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I know I know they've evolved quite a bit, but um, but I'm, I'm sure they'd they'd be even more so. Perhaps. Well, and they also used him as a huge, you know, example, uh, of course, mm -hmm. for everyone, you know, and and they they attacked Bitcoin through Ross in a lot of ways, and uh, you're absolutely right. Like he was seen as a target for them to, you know, put the brakes on this thing as a whole. Um, and yeah, and they had DEA agents on the Silk Silk Roads like taking out fake hits and assassinations and DEA agents selling drugs to other DEA agents. The whole thing was infested by the end of it. But I put yep. Ross up there right with Julian Assange. Like those are the top two guys that are unjustly imprisoned and yeah. heroes. I agree. Oh, yeah. um, here's clip three. Silk Road was a website I made when I was 26 years old, more than a decade ago now. It used Tor and Bitcoin to protect people's privacy. I called it an anonymous market. At the time, I thought... If Bitcoin makes payments anonymous and private, then what are we waiting for? Why are we sitting around talking about it? Let's put it into action. That's impulsive. That's a 26-year-old who thinks, thinks he has to save the world before someone beats him to it. I had no idea if Silk Road would work, but now we all know it caught on. It was used to sell drugs, and now I'm in prison. I was given two life sentences without parole, plus 40 years. I'm a nonviolent, first-time offender, but if nothing changes, I'll spend the next few decades in this cage. Then, sometime later this century, I'll grow old and die. I'll finally leave prison, but I'll be in a body bag. It's just wild, the whole call. I think it was really well written and presented, mm -hmm. uh, especially with a guy who is locked up and just, like, he literally has one shot, you know? I mean, it's like... You have 30 minutes, like, go. Um, and so it was, like, clearly, you know, pre-written and uh, I think uh, wonderfully so. But uh, the way that he executed this whole idea of uh, the loss of freedom and what it means, uh, it, it just definitely hits home and um, makes you think in this, in this Bitcoin space we're all entering. I think that the fatal flaw that a lot of those early guys made was this idea that you have, like, anonymity, and that you have, mm -hmm. you know, you have the ability to do everything in secret and no one can find out, which in the digital realm, 
um, a lot of that's just a matter of time to be able to reverse engineer. And now that uh, blockchain analysis companies have kind of taken off and gained steam, uh, it's tough to make a transaction on a public ledger and then, uh, you know, have this idea that you're going to be anonymous doing that. So I think that it, it was a huge price for him to pay to kind of show the world that uh, th this isn't really anonymous. And it's funny because a lot of the Silk Road stuff makes Bitcoin associated with criminal activity and money laundering and other things like that. Um, but Ross is actually the perfect case to point to to say, like, it's actually not ideal for criminal activity, especially when compared to, to fiat cash, uh, which is oh, yeah. far more far more anonymous and... Um, maybe not as quickly and easily transported, um, but definitely more anonymous. Uh, I'm just going to speak. I got three more clips to go, and I'm just going to try and power through them here. I got a letter the other day. It was from someone I hadn't met before. He was thanking me. He was grateful I had put Silk Road online all those years ago. He believed that Bitcoin wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for Silk Road. I'm not sure. For better or worse, Silk Road is part of Bitcoin's history now, but I worry that by putting Silk Road online, I made things harder for us. There's no way to know how things would have turned out differently, but I just want to say, to the extent that I made things harder for us, I'm sorry. To the extent that my actions led to drug abuse and addiction, I'm sorry. I was trying to do something good. I was, I was trying to help us move... This call is from a federal prison. Sorry, this is prison. <laughs> I was trying to help us move toward a freer and more equitable world, but we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And now here I am. I'm in hell. It's just so chilling, too, that yeah. the, the, the this call is from a prison thing that keeps punching through. I think it's like three different times throughout his, his talk that it's like, you know, just in case you forgot, mm -hmm. this yeah. man has no freedom. Right. Um, just in case you forgot, this man is ours. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really chilling. The, the power of the state and the overwhelming, uh, cruelty that they can impose on, on individuals. I want you to understand what it means to lose your freedom. The irony is that I made Silk Road in the first place because I thought I was furthering the things I cared about. Freedom, privacy, equality. But by making Silk Road, I wound up in a place where those things don't exist. I'm not alone. These prisons are full of people who don't deserve this. We are mothers and fathers. We are sisters and brothers. But we've been made into monsters in your eyes. We've been made less than human. <laughs> we didn't know how to do it. I need to keep it light because I'm always pulling this shit on the show and I apologize to... No, it's like, great. I just, um, I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I'll, I'll play the last one and then kind of wrap. We didn't know how things would turn out for Bitcoin back in the beginning, but over the years, I've been continually impressed what you've accomplished. I am proud of you, and I have no doubt we can do anything we set our minds to. We are transforming the global economy. We have brought a taste of freedom and equality to far corners of the world. 
I know we can transform criminal justice too. And now, today, I challenge you to set your sights on the hardest problems. I challenge you to shine Bitcoin's light into the darkest places. I challenge you to set us free. I've seen several of my friends go home after years, even decades in prison. More than one overcame a life sentence. Each time it happened, I weep for joy. Seeing a person regain their freedom, seeing them reunite with their family, there's nothing like it. So beautiful, it hurts. It feels like a miracle. We need more miracles. Yeah, so the main message, man, freeross.org. Um, you can get all kinds of info on there, including what all the other guys got, uh, including uh, one of the federal agents uh, who was participating in Silk Road and, you know, uh, planting evidence and buying and selling drugs and this and that. Uh, he got an eight-year sentence, so he's already out. Uh, Ross is still in. Thomas White, he made Silk Road 2.0 when Silk Road went down. Mm -hmm. He got five years and four months. Uh, so it's really wow. crazy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's, it's also a testament really to Bitcoin itself that Ross is against, against his legal advice speaking to the Bitcoin conference uh, this weekend and that he's evangelizing Bitcoin and that uh, he's also, you, you heard him say in one of those clips, he's not, uh, he's not on the shitcoin train. Uh, he just sees it as another Bitcoin, you know, another version of Bitcoin. And yeah, there are a lot of like different scam coins and, and there's a lot of arguments and purity tests and this and that but he just sees it as another different different implementation and that we're all kind of on the same team as far as uh what the what the currency itself is trying to accomplish but to me that was just another testament to bitcoin's resilience and the the way people talk at this conference it's it's different than any other kind of coin you know most people who are into certain different currencies different cryptos we'll kind of talk about why X crypto is better than Bitcoin or fixes Bitcoin or will beat Bitcoin. And you go to the Bitcoin conferences and all the discussion is about freedom and it's about getting away from fiat and it's about having money that is sound and it's about property rights, not just for us in America, not just for the people who can afford to buy coin, but for people in Venezuela who have a who live under a government that prints a worthless currency for people in Africa who have a tough time um, first accumulating currencies and then you know being able to move them anywhere or send them anywhere uh, you know it's about equality and it's about property rights and about freedom and autonomy and uh, it was just really inspirational to see a lot of the different stuff uh, that was talked about over the conference over the weekend so do you think Jack Dorsey's kind of trying to like hijack it a little bit with his cash app and making it all totally traceable. And you know, it's funny, like a lot of the people in, in the Bitcoin space are just kind of, um, they're, they're, they don't have heroes. A lot of them will say like no heroes, you know? And, um, I think what Dorsey is doing with cash app and being able to buy and send Bitcoin through it is important. And it's going to be a part of the mass adoption that is going to have to happen. Uh, just as part of the stages of Bitcoin's relevancy. Um, 
and I've been trying to buy Bitcoin a lot of different ways just to kind of have different experiences and experience like what are the fees and how does it work and how do you get your Bitcoin? Is it really yours? Uh, I know PayPal added Bitcoin sort of recently and you can still do it, but it's not really your Bitcoin. It's not in your wallet. You can't send it to another wallet. You just kind of have it as a thing in your PayPal account, but they really have it. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can quote unquote own or uh, quasi own Bitcoin and buy it. But um, it's funny. It's like uh, it's like arguing if the Mormons are furthering the work of God. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you can have that argument, but we don't necessarily really know, and God probably doesn't care. Okay, that's a good analogy. I got you. You know, it's like it's so all encompassing. It's like it's so complicated and all encompassing that it's like. Um, it, it would be similar. It'd be like me telling you what sect of uh, religion is the right one mm-hmm. rather than me just in general saying like, listen to your heart and follow God, you know, like. Yeah. Thank God these, for the internet. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, some of these deeper questions and some of these methods, it's hard because the language is so unevolved to even talk about it. And then there's technical barriers and, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, t- I talked to Big Game a few months ago about, you know, everybody just hop in and drive the car. But that was me as a guy who had been already using Bitcoin for like seven years, you know. And so I totally get that there's this sense of like if you're walking up to something and I'm like, well, just get in the car and drive it. And you're like, well, where the fuck's the door? You know, like mm-hmm. um, it's weird because diving into this, like I keep learning so much more and like discovering how little I know along the way that I mean, we also I think that the longer that you spend in the Bitcoin space. It's almost like the more retarded you sound because like some guys will describe Bitcoin as like a creature or a sentient being or an animal or like I just made a bunch of God comparisons. And it's like it's not really quite it. You know, it's like the Tao says the the name that can be spoken is not the eternal name. And if I can put it into words to try and explain it, then it's going to fall short. Um, but I was talking to also, God the other day and I said, got to have more fun. <laughs> <laughs> you got to. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm sure that I sound like a retarded lunatic, which, you know, isn't totally untrue. But uh, <laughs> I, I pulled up his last name. Uh, Ross's Are you retarded? Ulbrich. Oh. Yeah, Ulbrich. It's an old English name, and the name Ulbrich means noble or bright. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a little oh, that makes sense. Brick bright. You can hear from the guy's like tone and his, the things he chooses to talk about. Like, this is not a fucking criminal. Mm-hmm. This is not what the prison system is for. This is this is a a fucking crypto coin dev. I mean, this is an IT kid, you know. Yeah. And, fuck the cops. Um, yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. I really think fuck the cops. Uh, no, I I can't. Uh, I already brought it up, but yeah, I can't recommend that deep web movie enough. I'll, I'll definitely oh, take yeah. a look into that because I yeah, haven't I'll heard have of to, it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, I I brought some clips. I, I, I got some clips here. Yeah, Booberries has some has some clips that I so I took. Um, well, we we can start with uh, we can start with a, a stream uh, a podcast that's on the stream. Uh, Rare Encounter with Abel Kirby and Bill Gates. Cold Acid. Woo! 
<laughs> or Bill Gates, I should say. <laughs> um, play the, uh, it, it kind of goes into what um, uh, Fletcher and I were having uh, connection issues on, on Thursday and, and um, uh, this and their show happens on Wednesday. And it was interesting that they were, were having s- uh, similar connection issues and, and uh, they had, uh, Abel Kirby had uh, a resolution, a safe word. <laughs> Uh, so well clip. sorry oh sorry we, we need go. for this episode we need to set up a safe word in case you get disconnected then you can say it and then i'll know that i have to pause the show okay <laughs> so i think we could have um mm. like baseball so what happens is if you get disconnected just say baseball and then i'll pause the show yeah so <laughs> brilliant I thought it was a great idea, so I might have to adopt that. <laughs> and then, he, and then, sorry, go ahead. I mean, I'm assuming he's he's pulling Cole's chain. He's yanking his chain a little bit. Ta ta, there, retard. Oh, that would work. <laughs> I mean, uh, am I am I being too? I'm taking this yeah. too seriously. <laughs> we seem to be experimenting some. Technological differences. <laughs> and then it goes into um, a discuss. Uh, Abel Kirby talks about uh, Babe Ruth in this next clip, and it was actually co- a cool story, so I thought I, I'd pull it. It's baseball. Fuck baseball. Oh, I like it. I like it. I still do. <laughs> and uh, I was reading a little bit about Babe Ruth just offhand. Uh, some of this, you know, he's uh, associated with, uh, with the New York Yankees, obviously, and, and before that, the, the Red Sox. He uh, got his they, first home run in Toronto. They, uh, well, he has some history in Baltimore, too. That's where he's from. Ooh. And so uh, it turns out, I, and I've learned this after I came here, it turns out, uh, you know, he was, I wouldn't say trouble, but he was a troublemaker uh, as he was growing up, but they put him off into some school. Uh, and he, he, he was the catcher on the baseball team, and he kind of learned to play, and he, he got really good at it, obviously, being Babe Ruth. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, he goes off and they wins his first World Series, and so the story goes is... Um, they, uh, he takes the, the money from that. He goes back to uh, the Baltimore uh, area in the city and he buys a building with it and sets up a bar inside it. <laughs> and uh, so his dad runs the bar and he lives upstairs with his wife, I think. And they uh, and they have some, you know, local Babe Ruth stuff around here just from that. And I think the, the building's abandoned now, but it used to be there. And uh, it's it it was a, a gentleman's club as as it was described. So I don't know if it was really a bar or what else was going on in there, but it's uh it, the, the whole building has some history in it too. Well, aside from Babe Ruth, I think his dad got in a bar fight, and he the way he died was he actually died outside the bar one day that Babe Ruth owned. Jesus. Yeah. So he's like father, like son, They're both troublemakers. But <laughs> speaking of bars. Oh, I meant to. Oops. But yeah, that was from. Uh, Is he about uh, to spit some bars? Yeah, he's about to. Speak. <laughs> he was about bars. to t- talk about what <laughs> he, he was drinking. And this is on uh, episode uh, 47 of Rare Encounter entitled uh, Butterflies and Unicorns. <laughs> That's funny that uh, Cold Acid has just had the fuck baseball, man. Canadians must be very jaded. Is the Toronto Blue Jays have been playing in Buffalo since the whole coof shit. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. we kind of stole, stole your baseball team. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> can't, baseball can't to me is one of those sports that... Blue Jays. <laughs> baseball to me is one of those sports that's super fun to play, but mm-hmm. incredibly yeah. boring to watch. I agree. For the most part, it's true. Oh, um, yeah. I played baseball growing up, too, and that's why I like the sport a lot. But it's like... 
there's so few times where something happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, damn, you know, you yeah, have so many fun. innings that go by with no score and like, yeah, like, I, I oh, have more fun watching cars score. drive fast in a circle. <laughs> uh, if you want to see a great Babe Ruth movie, my favorite is the Babe because John Goodman plays Babe Ruth. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Nice. Fucking love John Goodman. And I think there's a, it does show that bar that he lived in the upstairs of in that movie. I'm pretty sure. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but that's definitely, awesome. Definitely some drinking song scenes. I gotta check that out. I like, I like uh, John Goodman. He's a, he's a good actor. He's fantastic. I'm still waiting on he makes a great uh, season two of Righteous Gemstones because I loved him as the, the televangelist. John Goodman's great. Johnny B. Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a couple more clips. Um, this is not from the stream. It's from the Tim Dillon show. Hey. Yeah, so he's a comedian, if you don't know who Tim Dillon is, um, and he has a, a show on, on YouTube, uh, and, and all of, he, he gets, he has all the sponsors and stuff, but he does his own reads, and everybody else, like, I have to skip through the ad, because they're just, like, cold reading the, the ad, like, <laughs> on the show, but Tim Dillon, he'll, he'll just uh, add his own uh, flair to it yeah. <laughs> and Moderna. I think, yeah. and in this episode um it was episode uh two um i had it open oh gosh geez way to be professional podcaster carolyn <laughs> yeah Oops. ladies and yeah. gentlemen welcome to the tim dylan show we do apologize <laughs> for there being no video we also apologize for our lateness i don't think we've really ever been late <laughs> with an episode before we may have been but don't bring oh. it up <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah so this is episode 254 apocalypse olympics with a- abby martin um i i pulled some cl- a couple clips uh about tim D- or tim dylan talking about the um today's olympics and why and, and how it doesn't matter in this in this climate um uh, if a uh, boober, if you could play um, watches uh, Olympics with dad, uh, adults do not watch. From what I mean, children watch it. My dad and me used to watch it. We used to watch uh, the Olympics because they had, people had fun names like Peekaboo Street, <laughs> skiing, or or there was a speed skater named Hey Chavo. We liked that, um, and you'd watch it with you. You know, I'd sit there with my dad, and we'd eat Haagen Dazs ice cream, and and uh, and fast food. And we'd watch the Olympics. Um, And then, you know, they would have all these inspiring stories of people. But the stories now have gotten so hellish. They've gotten so disturbing that... And first of all, have you ever met anyone that, like, got close to the Olympics or qualified for the Olympics and went and didn't place... Like, these are the most destroyed people you'll ever meet. Like, my friend's sister like went to the Olympics in volleyball, like nothing happened. And she just, I mean, the woman is a wreck. She's just like a tall beanstalk of a woman. And we'll, we'll tell people like she went to the Olympics, but nothing, nothing came out of it. So it's, it's, it's only nice if you're winning a medal, truly. Otherwise, and... Otherwise, not worth it. No, <laughs> just... So... 
Uh, so the, he pulls up uh, an article of 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 an Olympian, and she was I think she was in shot putter or something like that. And uh, she she had uh, had a hair a story about how she was going to commit suicide, and it was quite detailed. This in this in this article. Um, <laughs> I didn't clip it, but you could you could check it out on on that episode. Uh, he actually put uh, inspiring uh, Olympic music while he was reading <laughs> this uh, this, and and it was just and and it's not like uh, you know I yeah I remember like the stories weren't weren't like that. They weren't about um, uh, having struggles like like that. And and overcoming depression, anxiety, suicide, th those types of things. Um, uh, you play the next clip or the last one. Um, now the stories are so harrowing. Kind of. Echoes it used to be like, oh, you know, she was the youngest of six kids, and she used to ski going down the stairs. Like they were like heartwarming stories about the Olympians. Like she used to put on, you know, she used to take her brothers. Uh, you know, uh, skateboard and pretend that they were, it was a snowboard and she would go down the stairs and, and then she became the greatest skier. Now the stories, because life has gotten harrowing, the stories are so horrible now that you're not, you, you're just worried about the people that are in the Olympics. It's like too much of a pressure cooker. Yeah, like you don't want them. It's like don't. Then then they found synchronized swimming. I think he's paraphrasing, and, <laughs> and it's like no, don't. You go from you might not win a medal. Go from rooting for them to win to rooting for them not to lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now they're not medal events, but I've heard rumors that even if you don't get a medal, the orgies held in Olympic Village are some of the world's most epic and worth the price of just qualifying for the Olympics. I've heard, heard this too, actually. Just what I've heard. Yeah, that's, yeah, that I I have heard that before. Uh, maybe there's, maybe there's something that he, he's uh, not aware of. Maybe these people <laughs> who are just like so devastatingly depressed about it just weren't invited. That's probably what it was. The or they just orgy went, thing. They got the cold yeah. sugar at the or orgy and mm. it's just giving them a complex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably not about the sport. It's about that's, that's my getting guess. the invite. <laughs> I, think, I think you're on to something. I think that makes sense. Ugh. Thousands of people <laughs> who, are, who are over 18 years of age and single people, one at a time coming. <laughs> the most beautiful young people you've ever seen. <laughs> they came all over the place. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that was that was all of my uh, my clips that I brought. I like. It. I love Tim Dillon show. I think uh, Sir Sir Seatsitter actually brought one of the ad reads. Wasn't it the one for Moderna? Yeah, and Bill, <laughs> Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Where he throws out everything he said. I don't forget what we said. <laughs> everything I've said before today, I have been dead wrong. <laughs> I like the Central Intelligence Agency. Oh yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think we asked too many questions. I liked uh, actually I did catch that episode, the Olympics one. It was cool seeing Abby. I haven't listened to anything from her in a long while. Um went back and checked out her Whitney Webb. Did she talk about anything besides how bad Israel is or I, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, I figured. 
that's kind of her shtick now. Yeah. But she goes hard in the paint. I like it. She's yeah. not wrong, but it's like at a certain point, it's like, come on, you have something else to talk about. Yeah. Don't be a one trick pony. His uh his uh breakdown on why uh Caitlyn Jenner would be a fantastic governor for California was also a gem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Well, uh everybody's uh got all of their clips out. Yeah, we wrapped we, yeah. we got it in even before it started No Agenda Live, so that was it was well done, despite my uh, dangerous dad nap at the beginning. I'm sure everybody was like, oh, fuck, did <laughs> you did good. I, that was my guess. I was like, maybe he fell back asleep and I'll I be told, damned. I was right. I told Carolyn and Boobs when I first got here that uh, every blink is dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that first Yeah, I'm looking forward to the sleepless nights coming in, coming in a couple months. I'm sure that'll be great. Yeah, I don't even know how I hit my phone alarm off, but I sure did while I was still asleep. That's a skill I have. Noise. Nice. It's like, oh, what's that sound? Make it stop. Oh, good. Thank you. It stopped. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I just so happen to have a perfectly named fucking into uh, show playout song, "Dancing Dead." Beautiful. I love you guys. Oh, give it to me. Thank you for your courage. I love you too. This is episode four, Misinformed Nation. Episode four? Episode four. I've been Booberry Mothman in the Miniocalypse. I've been Sir Spencer Wolf Kansas City. I have been Carolyn from Hog Story. And I've been Sir Seatsu. Sir Sir Seatsu. Thank God for the internet. This is, in fact, a great time to be a podcaster. We all listen. What's up, nerds? <laughs> <laughs>